Hey, welcome to TBT's podcast. I'm Dan Friel. I have with me today our two regular contributors, Josh Brown. Josh, how you doing? Good, Dan. Doing well. It's a busy week. World Series. Uh, the election's coming up. Celtics are back. So I've been pretty busy watching all that. Absolutely. And Maury Horsch-Gordon. Maury, how are you? Dan, same here. I got to echo everything Josh just said. A very exciting time. And, you know, now with baseball being laid to rest for the 2016 season, that means it's officially basketball season. That's right. We're, we're actually going to talk about that. Uh, last night was the World Series. We're recording this on a Thursday. World Series Game 7 was last night. Absolutely incredible game and really a testament to these winner-go-home scenarios, guys, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in, you know, you saw that on display, if anything, last night where, uh, you know, one mistake here, one mistake there, and all of a sudden, you know, the Cubs blow the game open and, and you know, the Indians are going home after having a 3-1 to one lead. So uh, I, I was thinking about that, Dan, how um, very similar to TBT, the, the, you know, the atmosphere, um, the emotion the players were playing with. So it was a good kind of um, lead into today's podcast, I guess. We posted probably the most obvious poll question of all time on Twitter last night, and the responses were pretty heavy-sided on one. But the question was, you know, do you like win or go home games? And obviously, 93% of people said yes, 7% said no, which I think probably was mainly a joke. But is there anybody, Maury, that doesn't like these games? I mean, I don't understand why they're just not more prevalent. The shorter the series, the more likely you're going to have one. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't imagine anybody saying no to you know not liking a a win or go home game because think about it. Not only is it is it exciting for the players, exciting for the coaches, exciting for the fan bases. It's exciting for teams that are underdogs. It gives them one shot. If they bring their A game that one day and they do it all right, they put all the pieces together and they perform and they give their A game that one day. You know they get the win and they move on. And in this instance, you know it was the Cubs. Uh, you know. Coming back from 3-1, they won three straight. They get to be World Series champs for the first time since 1908. And, you know, in terms of us with TBT, you look at, for example, the Jackson, Tennessee underdogs put it together for one great game, and they upset the top seed. Yeah, and almost moved on to the Super 16, too. Um, We'll get to the interviews right now, I guess. Josh, I wanted to – let's get some background from you. Who did you talk to this week? Yeah, I talked to Dijon Knight, GM of the Midwest Dream Squad. One of the – more interesting kind of stories how they came together. Uh, Dijon's doing a lot in basketball right now, so uh, a lot of good background on that team. Um, you, you know, from the run they made in 2015, where they played in that. Uh, really, you know, talking about uh, winner go home. That uh, very thrilling game against Notre Dame. They played in the Super 17 in 2015. So we talked about all that and much more with Dijon Knight. That 2015 game against Notre Dame was incredible, and really the frankly, the national TV de- debut of TBT. Uh, for those that weren't familiar with it before, what a great introduction to the types of games that we have. And Maury, you also uh, spoke to someone as well? I did. I talked to Austin Dufault, who's a 6'9 power forward from Team Colorado, helped them get all the way to that championship game. And Austin, uh, you know, speaking a lot about his, his time in Hungary and his time playing TBT, he's a very versatile player. But one of the things he mentioned uh, that he brought to his team that not a lot of other players have in the whole entire uh, tournament is that he went four days in four he, in four days he won four straight games in 2012 when he was in college. Uh, so he kind of brought that mentality to his team this year, helped them win five games uh, with their backs against the wall every single time uh, to get them to New York City. Solid all around player. We had a great conversation. And he also was joking around with me. He said he's not sure if that game for $2 million was the biggest of his life. And you'll, you'll hear the reason why. That's great. All right, let's get to Austin Dufault now. And after that, we'll listen to uh, Josh's conversation with Dijon Knight.
Now joining the TBT podcast is Austin Dufault. Austin, you're joining us from Hungary. Thanks for hopping on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Oh, anytime, anytime. Before we uh, talk about hoops, though, you know, doing some research, I see you're from North Dakota. I'm a Philly guy, so you paying any attention to Carson Wentz? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, he grew up in uh, Bismarck, which is about a couple hours away from where I grew up. Um, I didn't know him personally growing up, but um, you know, I followed him at North Dakota State. I had a couple friends from high school that played on some of the national championship teams that he was on, and then. Um, you know, I, personally, I thought he should have been the first pick in the draft, um, but I'm I'm happy with you know him landing in Philly. It's been a good situation for him so far, and um, you know, definitely a lot of fun to watch him watch him play on Sundays. Oh, for sure, yeah, T- tough game on Sunday night against the Cowboys, but man, is he poised and uh, definitely definitely controls the team in the pocket. Um, so now on to hoops. Uh, you're playing in Hungary. Kind of just give us a little update about where you are with your career and your uh, and the team you're playing for. Yeah, so I'm in my fifth season um, professionally in Europe. Um, this year I'm playing for a team called Schilprom, which is in Hungary. Um, we're playing in the Hungarian First Division and also in the FIBA Euro Cup, which is a international league. Um, in our pool, we have a team from Belgium, France, and uh, Portugal. So we have uh, both of those leagues going on right now. Um, a lot of games, um, you know, some traveling mixed in there, um, which is, you know, something that I haven't experienced um, while I've been in Europe. So uh, it's definitely a new experience, but something that I've really been enjoying, and the competition level has been high. So, um, you know, that's all you can really ask for. You guys currently in second place in the Hungarian league out of 14 teams. You're four and two. It seems like pretty much every game, you know, you're in double figure scoring. Uh, you know, handful of rebounds. You're shooting the ball over 50 percent. So, how do you feel like your games games translating over in, in Hungary? Um, I feel like it's translated pretty well. Um, you know, early in the preseason, I was able to kind of carve out a role for myself, um, and I've just been continuing to try to stay as consistent as I can each week um you know there's no no easy games in this league um anybody can beat anybody i think you know one of the last place teams beat the three-time defending champions in our league a couple nights ago so um you can't take anybody lightly and then the competition level is even higher in the FIBA euro cup so um, the main thing is just try and stay consistent every day um take care of myself as best as i can and and uh, stay focused Austin, they list you as a as a power forward at six nine, but watching you this summer at the TBT, you really can kind of do it all. You can slash, uh, you know, get into the lane. You you can hit the three ball when needed. How would you describe your game? Yeah, um, you know, kind of like what you said. I'm pretty versatile. Um, I feel like I can do a little bit of everything. I can post up. Um, you know, if I have a quickness advantage on somebody on the perimeter, I can attack the basket. Um, you know, I don't mind making the extra pass to open shooters. And, um, you know, with our team out here, we have a really good group of guys who play unselfishly, um, similar to the team I was on with this summer um, with Team Colorado. So it kind of was just like I stepped right in and, and fit in right away with, you know, everything that we were trying to do. It, it really did seem like you fit, fit right in, transitioning over to TBT, you know, when was the first time, before we even get to the tournament this summer and, and the crazy run that you guys had, 
you know, when was the first time that you heard about TBT? Did you actually believe that, you know, you could go in a million or two dollars in, in like six games? So the first time I heard about it, I received a, either a Facebook message or an email. I think it was from Dan, um, Dan Friel. And um, it was talking about this tournament and it was for, you know, $500,000. Um, it was going to be on ESPN and I didn't really pay any attention to it. And then I believe I was in France at the time. And um, I had a couple other you know teammates that are playing overseas send me messages. Hey, what is this about? Um, so, you know, we kind of looked into it in that first year. We didn't end up playing. Um, but then we saw the next summer, um, I think it was for a million. And, uh, you know, we decided to put a team together. And, um, you know, we ended up fortunately losing in the first round to Team 23, who made a great run to the championship uh, game that year. But, um, you know, just that one game in L.A., we realized, you know, how uh, legit the tournament was, how well run it was. Um, and we knew, you know, coming back to this summer, you know, we really wanted to take it seriously. Talking to my partners, Dan and Josh, you know, who are, who are also on the podcast, it seems like, you know, Every team, once they get to the tournament, you know, that's the easy part, playing basketball. But the the nerves are really, you know, beforehand, getting into the tournament. It's gotten, you know, very selective. A ton of good alumni teams across the board. Colorado, Syracuse, Gonzaga, Kentucky, the list goes on. So, you know, take me through a little bit of that vote-getting process and the journey to even just qualify for the tournament. Well, i got to give a ton of credit to our GMs. Um... Bo Gamble and Trent Beckley, um, they did a great job of getting a lot of press um, back in Boulder and throughout Colorado, you know, interested in our team. Um, they got some articles wrote up about us uh, to try to help get fan votes. Um, they had a huge uh, social media presence uh, with the C-Unit fan group um, at the University of Colorado. And, um, you know, I think it was just, it really was awesome to see how the current players and the current, you know, students at CU really got behind the alumni and helped to push us to get into the tournament. And, um, you know, once we had their support behind us, I feel like everybody was really confident that we would be able to get in. And, um, you know, fortunately we were, and then we were able to go on the run that we did. What, what was the best part about, about all the fans, you know, your family and friends getting involved? Uh, so so what, 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 was that, what was that best part? For me, I think the best part was um, once we got in, we decided to have a training camp in Colorado uh, before the tournament started. And um, we came back for three or four days. Everybody on the team was there. Um, We had two-a-day practices, so we would practice in the morning. um, And then at night, we would come back and scrimmage against the current CU players and, um, you know, just spend some time with them. You know, they could pick our brain about what it's like playing overseas and um you know we were able to see what the program is built into now and then um we also were able to spend time with the coaching staff uh, went to dinner with them and um you know just the whole atmosphere and uh, my family lives in colorado not my parents so they were able to come watch the scrimmages and practices and stuff and just having everybody around you know such a family type atmosphere was awesome Talking to Austin Dufault here on the TBT Podcast. Austin, a member of Team Colorado, the fifth seed from the West region, made a run at $2 million 
won five games, unfortunately fell short in that championship game in New York City. Austin, you're talking a little bit about the training camp. You know, I'm doing some research and some prep before before we got on here, and and the goal uh, from your GM. Uh, was that, you know, it was just a way to unite Colorado basketball, you know, different generations, uh, players on your team, um, you know, had had played for three separate head coaches. So um, what was that like playing with different generations of Colorado basketball? It was great. Um, you know, everybody has certain stories about, you know, the former coaches that they played for. Um you know, what it used to be like compared to what it's like now, all the facilities that they have at Colorado now that we were able to use. Um, you know, it was just, everybody has that common thing that we all, you know, played at the University of Colorado, wore the black and gold. And, um, you know, that's something that we all have in common. We all share that experience. And, um, you know, it's just, it's a family, really. That's the biggest thing um, that Coach Boyle emphasizes even now. Um, he really wants alumni to come back to reach out to the guys that are playing there now and um, just have it be you know, as, as much of a family atmosphere as it can be. One of your experiences that you had at Colorado that not many other players on your team you know, had the opportunity to experience was that in, that in 2012, your senior year, you won you know, your conference tournament. Uh, you know, you got you got some you got you got rings. Uh, you got to go to the NCAA tournament. You won a game. How much of that experience, winning four games in four days in your college career, did you talk about and and tell your teammates about? You know, heading into TBT. Uh, we talked about it quite a bit actually, and you know, as the tournament went on, it was kind of scary, like how similar the whole experience was. Um, just how we everybody came together. Nobody cared about any individual statistics, you know, anything like that. And um, you know, in the Pac-12 tournament, it, everybody was playing to basically get into the NCAA tournament. That was the goal. And then, you know, in the, the basketball tournament, everybody's playing for that two million dollars. So, you know, regardless of the goal, if everybody has a common goal, you just focus on that and put all the individual things aside and, and play the right way and play to win. So. Um, that was something from my experience that I feel like um, you know I was able to share, I guess, with my teammates, and um, you know I think we may maybe have benefited from that experience that I had. So now, now into the tournament, you you escape the West Regional, you know, two close victories. Obviously, regardless of anyone's seed, uh, teams are going to play tough night in and night out. But when did you start to believe that you guys could actually you know make a run and maybe get to New York City? Um. I would say, you know, as soon as we got out of the the Los Angeles um, bracket and moved on to Philly, um, you know, everybody kind of had the, the feeling like, you know, if we're going to go out to Philly, um, we've put this much effort into it. Everybody was at training camp. Everybody, you know, played well in L.A. We might as well go out to Philly now and try to get these two games. And um, we really felt like we matched up well with everybody on our side of the bracket. And... Um, you know, it just it worked out well with matchups and you know guys hitting big shots at the right time, making big plays, and um, you know it's it's just crazy. It, it was just one of those things where we got on a, a roll with some momentum and um, everybody was believing in each other, and it was, it was really fun to be a part of. That first team in Philadelphia, Team Twenty Three, like you alluded to earlier, 
you know, the team that bounced you guys out of the tournament the year prior. What were the emotions and feelings like going into that game? And, and on a personal note, you know, you dropped 14 points uh, and, you know, you play 30 really solid minutes for your team. So um, what about Team 23 did you feel like you guys had an advantage on? And, and personally, uh, what had it going for you in that game? Um, you know, heading into that game, we really thought about, you know, the summer before, um, we really gave them a good game in the first round. Um, I don't know if the score reflected it as much, but we knew after that, that if we had been, you know, as focused as we could have been coming into the tournament, we would have had a good shot at beating them. So to face off them in Philadelphia was kind of, um, you know, kind of a, it came full circle and we had another shot at them and we were ready to go this time. Um, but for me personally, you know, I just played my game, um, you know, playing with a point guard like Marcus Hall, you know, it's not too tough. You pretty much just got to be ready when you get the ball to make a play. And, um, you know, besides that defensively, I always just try to be solid, play smart. And, um, you know, I just try to do whatever I could for us to get that win. Marcus Hall, one of those players, like I mentioned earlier, uh, didn't play with you uh, in, during your time in Colorado, but did you ever look up to him You know, when you were getting recruited to Colorado, watch him play, wish you could play with him one day? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I came on my visit, um, him and Richard Roby were both seniors, and um, I just one of the things that's always stood out in my mind was when I came to watch him practice on my official visit, and... You know, just seeing that team and seeing those two guys, I just remember in my head thinking, man, those guys can really play. Like, they have so much talent. Um, it just seems effortless watching them. And, um, you know, unfortunately, they graduated before I could play with them. But it's something that we definitely discussed over the you know past two summers. Um, you know, I would have loved having the opportunity to play with those guys. And they said the same. They wish they could have played on some of the teams that I was on. So, um there's definitely a big time mutual mutual respect, and um, you know both of those guys have had great professional careers, so they're definitely guys that I've looked up to, um, you know, from when I was at CU and even now. You take down Team Twenty Three. You go into the regional championship game. You pull out, you know, great win against Team Utah. You score seventeen points. You hit three trays. You guys got it going on. Now you're on to New York City. The support must have grown exponentially. Yeah, it was huge. Um, you know, my point guard from college, uh, Nate Tomlinson, is, lives in Australia. And um, it just happened that he was back in the U.S. for his sister's wedding. So I had him texting me like, hey, you guys get to this championship game. Like, I'm going to come. Um, and I hadn't seen him for over a year. Um, you know, we had heard from some of the coaching staff, Coach Boyle. Um, everybody was so excited for us to have the opportunity. and. Um, you know, a number of guys, Corey Higgins, who plays for Cheska in Moscow, um, all these guys were reaching out to us, you know, telling us, if you guys get to this championship game, we're all going to try to make it out there and see you guys play. So that was just another little, um, you know, bonus of, of trying to get out of the semis and get to the finals. Was that the first time you were ever in New York City uh, for the TBT Final Four? No, the first, I had been there uh, for the Final Four, the NIT, um, my junior year. Um, we lost to Alabama in the semifinals. Um, we had, it was a, like a close game the whole way and lost right at the buzzer. 
Um, so yeah, that was the second time I'd been to New York. Lights come on, Final Four. Uh, you play always a brave. You defeat them. Now you're on to the championship game. Is this the biggest game uh, you know of your life? I was kind. Of, I was having that debate um, with a couple of my teammates actually after the tournament was over, and um, it's, it's really hard to say. Um, you know, those games in the Pac-12 tournament to get into the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, that's kind of like a lifelong goal that you have as a kid, you know, wanting to play college basketball, wanting to get to the NCAA tournament. So um, those games are really big, but then you look at it from the other standpoint and, and playing in a single game, winner take all for $2 million, it doesn't happen like every day. So, <laughs> I mean, just comparing the two, it's, it's kind of a similar feeling. Um, it's kind of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, hopefully – we have another opportunity uh, this next summer to do it, but um, you know it's something that you don't really plan for, and you got to just be ready when the moment comes and uh, try to take advantage of it. Sixteen points in that championship game. You're hot early. What were the emotions like heading into halftime? You guys, you know, had a big time lead. Um, me personally, I was really just trying to stay calm um, and try to keep my emotions in check. Um, my parents had actually flown out that day um uh they texted me when i woke up in the morning and said hey we're at the airport in denver we'll be at the game tonight so um they hadn't been able to see me play in over a year um live so uh to have them at the game you know is it was emotional to see them um but you know i just tried to stay as focused as i could um you know we felt confident at halftime we had Given up a little bit of the lead, but we still felt like we were in control of the game. And um, I think everybody was trying to just keep their emotions in check and, and finish the game out. Overseas Elite wins the tournament back-to-back. Are they the single reason why you guys are playing in the tournament come next come next summer? Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say they're the single reason. Um, I think there's a lot of good um you know opportunities that come from playing in the tournament um besides the money you know we all want to be around each other um we all like each other all the all the former colorado players we have a great time um you know with the whole the whole process of everything but at the same time they're definitely going to be in the back of our minds and um i can tell you that every single guy on our team would love to have another shot at playing them Austin, thanks so much for your time. Before you before you go, uh, you know anything? Any new updates with Team Colorado? Any any new strategies heading into TBT twenty seventeen? Um, nothing right now. Um, you know, everybody kind of had to take some time off. I know for me, I took a week off after the tournament. It felt like I had just played like a full season. Um, <laughs> just I was a drained. You know, physically and emotionally, from the roller coaster of everything. Sure. And you know, everybody else on the team was too. But you know, a couple of weeks went by, and you know, everybody was back to scheming, thinking about you know how can we be better next year, what can we do differently, and um, you know, everybody right now is focused on their season overseas, and um, you know, but I think in a month or two, guys are going to start talking again, and we'll start you know trying to figure out. Um, you know, something going forward. 
For sure. Austin Dufault, thank you so much for hopping on the TBT podcast. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. Welcome into the TBT podcast now with Dijon Knight, GM of the Midwest Dream Squad. Uh, Dijon, thank you uh, so much first for joining us. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. My pleasure, Josh. Yeah, a lot to get into with the Midwest Dream Squad. I'm actually looking uh, right now at an old jersey I have from you. I think it might be Sean Dockery's jersey. Uh, okay. Home after the uh, after the you know the tournament ended. So uh, certainly one of the more <laughs> unique designs in TBT those uh, those Dreamcatcher jerseys. Uh, How that kind of I guess we'll begin kind of just like that. How did you come up with the idea for the name Dream Squad and um, you know that design is kind of for you guys taking on you know life of its own. Yeah, you know honestly, um, you know when I first heard about the tournament, you know it, it sounded kind of like something like a, a fantasy. Um, you know, of mine, you know, to be able to, you know, for one, you know, build a team and it just seemed kind of like, you know, a dream. Um, so the, the dream just kind of stuck, stuck with it. And, you know, obviously, um, you know, with my Midwestern roots, um, you know, being from Chicagoland area, um, and, you know, playing predominantly college ball in the Midwest, you know, having a lot of connections in the Midwest, I knew that would be probably a lot of where my guys and my resources, you know, lie. So, um, you know, obviously that stuck and it just kind of went hand in hand. Um, you know, I had the idea for a dream catcher, similar circle round to a basketball and uh, TBT, you know, held up its end and creating an initial logo in 2015, which you know, I, I definitely thought was pretty unique, pretty cool as well. Yeah, let's go kind of back. So like you mentioned, putting this team together, and I know you guys have quite the unique uh, story, how you got this group of guys together. So let's go back. You know, you, you hear about TBT, um, you know, a lot of, like, as people know, a lot of teams are, you know, alumni teams or guys who have played together forever. But I know you guys are more of a unique story. How did you get this original, you know, group of guys together who obviously a lot of them, you know, stuck together for this year's tournament? Yeah, um, you know, it was it was all kind of, you know, random. Um, you know, it all started for me just hearing about the tournament being tagged in a Facebook post by a former college teammate, you know, of mine. Um, you know, this is several months before the initial tournament in 2015 started, um, you know, and then, you know, really didn't get, you know, hip to the tournament and really start to do more research on the tournament, you know, up until, um, you know, maybe a month or so before it. I mean, I just kept hearing more about it, kept seeing it, you know, tagged in more posts. And, you know, ultimately, I, I thought it was sounded, you know, again, something like, you know, a fantasy or a dream on something I definitely thought, you know, felt comfortable I can get a team in. You know, at the time, um, you know, only had about a month, uh, you know, before the tournament started, you know, with the qualification process in, in 2015. Um, you know, but fortunately was able to come up with the amount of votes that we needed uh, to qualify or be eligible um, you know, and then from there, actually being selected into the tournament, um, you know, it was definitely pretty exciting. I mean, I just, again, started with, you know, within my network of players that, you know, I originally played with, um, you know, guys that I, you know, played AAU basketball with, with some teammates. You know, from there, just start kind of piecing, you know, it was almost had like a domino effect. Either one guy maybe knew somebody else who was interested or, you know, who had been playing maybe overseas or played in college and, we all just kind of, you know, came together and the team, again, just, just all kind of formed. And um, what was surprising most for, you know, their first run in 2015 and 2015 is the, the actual chemistry that we had, um, you know, as a as a team. It's almost as, as if we came together pretty quick, like we have been, um, you know, playing maybe for a couple of years, um, which, you know, we hadn't even practiced at the time of the first tournament game uh, in 2015. 
And I, you mentioned there how, you know, it began with some guys in your, uh, you know, through connections or guys you met through basketball. What's kind of your uh, backstory? Um, you know, I know you played college basketball. So what, what's kind of your, um, you, you know, your history with the game? And I know you just came from training now. So what do you uh, currently do with basketball? Yeah, you know, I've been playing, you know, organized basketball, uh, you know, since third grade. Um, you know, I've, I've always been active playing, you know, on a team, um, started, you know, locally here. I'm from the Chicago Lane area. Um, grew up in Bolingbrook, about 45 minutes, you know, south of Chicago. My parents are from the city. Um, but again, growing up out here, you know, under the influence in the, in the mid nineties of Michael Jordan, you know, I was fascinated with the game. Um, you know, from there, just, you know, continuously watching it, playing it. Um, you know, again, organized all the way through, um, you know, high school. So I was fortunate enough to play high level varsity um, after, um, you know, throughout high school being recruited, you know, going through that whole experience, being recruited to play college. You know, definitely had some opportunities to play, you know, Division One. You know, I was a late qualifier. So my first year out of college, out of high school, I signed with a Division One junior college in Kaskaskia College um, in southern Illinois, um, you know, by my second year there, you know, we had a pretty good team and we were ranked in the nation. Um, from there, had some opportunities, um, you know, schools like Gardner Webb and Eastern Kentucky, um, you know, were in conversation, you know, nothing actually panned out at that level. So you know, I kind of decided to, you know, pursue academically um, sports marketing major. And I found the University of Indianapolis, which, you know, was a you know really great program, um, kind of under the radar as far as I was concerned, because I was more focused on more mid-major uh, Division One programs, um, you know, but ultimately it was a it was a good fit, you know, academically. Um, it was a division at the Division Two level, so still pr- pretty high level uh, basketball. Um, that's where I finished out my my college basketball and got my degree. Um, after college, you know, definitely want to get you know a professional career going. Um, you know, was training for that and also still working on my degree. You know, and unfortunately suffered an injury um, to my shoulder um, last time. You know, playing professionally, pursuing anything was in Canada. Um, at the 2015, or excuse me, the uh, 2013 NBL Combine in Canada, um, I tore my labrum. Um, so from there, um, again, that's around the time where I actually heard about the the TBT tournament, you know, by a college teammate. Um, you know, I was starting to, uh, you know, get get those posts and get that information. But, um, you know, at this point, you know, with my playing career, you know, I'm more into, you know, developing players. Um, you know, so I, I took a role scouting with, um, the National Collegiate Scouting Association um, did that, you know, also still using my degree and, um, you know, again, gotten back into coaching. So I, I do youth basketball, um, you know, coaching and training through uh, a travel program here in the Chicagoland suburbs and also have uh, the ultimate hoops position through light, lifetime fitness where I'm able to do some training as well. So I'm definitely still heavily involved in the game. No, I th- always think it's interesting talking to people who played college and now coaching, and uh, now you're you know doing co- coaching just like you mentioned, coaching the uh, this team in the summer. Uh, do you kind of have a preference, coaching or playing? I know most people would probably say playing, but uh, you know, how have you adjusted to the uh, coaching life? Uh, you know, it, it definitely takes on you know a different role. Um, you know, I, I to say you know at this point, originally for TBT in that first team, you know, my idea was to play. Um, you know, I finally got back to a point with my shoulder where I, I was feeling, you know, a little bit more comfortable taking the risks and going out there playing, especially for the amount of money on the line. And I thought it would be a good opportunity to get a good challenge, you know, get against good competition. Um, but just due to the rules and how it was set up and not registering myself as a player GM, I wasn't able to play that initial year. Um, so that's, you know, where I kind of, you know, was thrown into the role, I guess, you know, is strictly coaching that team. 
Um, and I've coached, you know, youth teams, you know, seventh grade AAU teams, you know, I've coached younger kids as well, but, you know, at that level, really coaching up professional guys who, you know, again, we all see the game, you know, at a pretty high level. So just trying to, you know, keep the huddle organized, you know, letting guys, you know, have, have the floor, you know, initiate, um, you know, what they think, you know, may be successful is at the end of the day, I think everybody, you know, was on the same page. We all had the ultimate goal and everybody, um, you know, knew the game pretty well. So it was kind of like a, a group effort. But, you know, I, I see how, um, you know, I felt almost as, you know, how, how these NBA coaches, um, you know, could feel. I can only imagine, you know, Steve Blashtop, you know, he's coaching, you know, LeBron James out there, you know, a pretty good player. Um, you, you respect his opinion in the huddle. And that's kind of you know, how it was with a lot of these players. But, you know, still, um, you know, providing as much guidance as I could. Absolutely, and uh, you know, let's kind of move ahead to that 2015 run you guys had. And uh, I actually, I wasn't in, uh, I wasn't working with TBT. I actually, I had a team in 2015 uh, that played in the South Region, and I remember watching that game, specifically the Notre Dame Fighting Alumni game. I was in a restaurant watching that game, and it was really one of the more, uh, I know it didn't turn out the way you guys had hoped for, but it was really one of the more uh, exciting sporting events that happened all year, no matter what the sport, uh, that game between the two of you. So um, kind of bring us through that 2015 run. You guys made it to the play-in game. So you won out throughout the regional round. You made it to the play-in game uh, of the Super 17, and you fell uh, in a heartbreaker in Notre Dame. But kind of bring us through that run with that group of guys you had. Yeah, that, that was a pretty crazy run. Like I said, you know, at that point for that first game, you know, the day of that first game, a lot of these guys, you know, we had, hadn't had any practice, you know, and some of the guys had actually met for the first time um, the day of the game. So, you know, it was really just kind of just run and gun type of mentality. Let's get out and run, um, you know, and just move the ball and, and take good shots. And you know, I think we did a really good job with that. We spaced the floor pretty well. And it was almost as if we had, you know, played together for a while. Um, you know, had really good chemistry and, you know, again, with the pieces that we had, we had a lot of, a lot of guards who, you know, knew how to you come off ball screens really well. Um, you know, we kind of took advantage of that with, with the bigs that we had. Um, you know, and again, we, we only had, I think at the time we only had seven or eight players, um, that, that we could use. So I didn't have to get too crazy with the rotation, um, or anything like that. But, you know, it, it just all kind of clicked. You know, the first game we had a really good challenge. Um, you know, definitely against, uh, I believe the first game was against the, the Wisconsin alumni. Um, you know, that was, it was a really good game. Uh, they were kind of surprised. They were, you know, I think we kind of caught them off guard with some of the guys, you know, not being maybe, you know, some of these big time pro coming from big time programs and whatnot. But, um, you know, that was a great challenge. We matched up pretty well with them. You know, we, we ended up getting a, another tough game and a team who was pretty experienced with the Scotty legends. Um, you know, but again, I think our youth, just kind of uh, helped us prevail in that victory. Um, and, and then the, the ultimate challenge, you know, running against the, the defending champions with the Notre Dame alumni, you know, obviously very, very seasoned group, um, you know, very well, well coached, um, you know, just program. And, you know, a lot of those guys get an opportunity to play, you know, collegially together. Um, you know, it was definitely a big challenge for us, but, you know, our guys, you know, came ready to play. Um, you know, and definitely, you know, we lost our heartbreaker. You know, it, it still, it still hurts a little bit to this day. Um, but, you know, I, I told these guys you know, at the end of the game not to hang our head because nobody really expected us to, to make it this far. And, you know, honestly, we surprised a lot of people. Absolutely. And Mike DeNuno was one of the guys on that team who really uh, kind of made a big name for himself after that game. I know he tried to play with the Eastern Kentucky team last 
year, and you know they ended didn't end up making it in. Was there at any point when you guys uh, tried to make you know a last minute push for him after his you know Eastern Kentucky team didn't end up making it in? You know, it, it was it was a, a funny situation. Um, you know, I I had expected you know you know Mike to possibly you know rejoin our group. You know, we'd all been in talks about it. And it it kind of caught me by surprise when you know he told me he you know couldn't play for whatever reason. Then um, next thing you know, he was playing with East Kentucky. So I was kind of taken back by that a little bit. At the same time, you know, I I would have loved to have Mike. Um, if the opportunity, um, you know, would have been there. But I think at the time when um, Eastern Kentucky didn't actually qualify, we were at a point where our roster was full. There were still a couple other guys I was, you know, trying to see if we could work something out, you know, maybe for a ringer. Um, and I think that would have been the role. Um, but, again, trying to qualify for that, um, it presented a bit of a challenge to add anybody else to the roster once it got kind of late. Absolutely. I think uh, one of the interesting guys you did bring in who wasn't on that team with Mike DiNuno in 2015 was Sean Dockery. I mentioned I was just uh, looking at his jersey back here. Uh, and I know he's a Chicago guy. You guys are all Midwest guys. I thought that was a, a, a pretty interesting addition you guys made. How did you kind of bring him aboard? Yeah, uh, again, just, you know, in building the roster for 2016, trying to replace some of the pieces that we lost. Um, from the previous year, um, you know, and again, with, with my coach that I helped bring in to help, um, you know, run some of the practices, you know, definitely just wanted to try to be more organized. But um, Coach Antonio Mastranzi, um, you know, he helped coach the team this year. Um, you know, he actually has a relationship with D. Brown, who, um, you know, again, my relationship with Antonio, I used to play for his father and I trained with him back when I was in high school. Antonio was a high school phenom coming out of the area out of Bartlett. Um, he ended up going to play at Northern um, Northern Illinois um, and also played for the Italian National League. Um, but again, he played AAU basketball with D. Brown, who you know had a more of a relationship with Sean, who we connected with as well. Um, so it was just again a lot of networking and you know a lot of dots getting connected and ultimately led to you know Sean being interested in wanting to play um, and then having that conversation with Sean and you know trying to get him hip to you know, what we had going on and you know the role we wanted him to play. Yeah, and I, I thought, uh, being a Duke fan, I was pretty excited to see him play and suit up. Uh, what was kind of for you the big difference between 2015 and 2016, whether it be, um, you know, the more uh, recruiting of fans you had to do, the increased level, level of competition? I mean, you guys had a very tough draw right off the bat in 2016 with Armored Athlete. That's a, uh, you know, a tough team to get right off the bat. But was there anything in general about TBT, uh, you know, one year in advance that kind of caught you by surprise or was a lot different? Um, you know, it, it, it definitely, I felt like I had a better, you know, idea. I knew what to expect, but maybe just trying to be, you know, more prepared, more organized, you know, and, you know, really kind of establish the, the brand of the Midwest Dream Squad is, you know, kind of the, and I was trying to focus on while again, trying to recruit a strong enough roster uh, that can compete. Um, you know, between maybe the tournament, uh, it, I really just didn't know what to expect kind of with, you know, the selection process. Um, you know, for this upcoming year, I felt like it was similar, but, you know, again, obviously, um, you know, it had a couple of different, uh, a couple of different things and, you know, it presented little challenges, you know, again, with the aspect of the ringer or, um, you know, again, with the charity being able to qualify. So, uh, from a GM standpoint, you know, trying to, you know, manage that as well as, you know, solidify the roster. Um, you know, again, like, he, like you said, if I would have had the opportunity to maybe be able to pick up a couple guys late, that would have helped us out. Um, you know, we had some guys, you know, even fall out towards the end. Um, so it, it, nothing, you know, it sticks out too crazy, but, 
Um, you know, again, the, the level of competition is certainly what I, what I expected, you know, and trying to get some of these new guys. Again, Dockery was a guy that, you know, played a, a pretty big, um, you know, significant amount of minutes and, you know, played a big role just with our team. You know, I think even getting selected, you know, for the tournament just kind of with his name and, you know, and, and his background, um, which I think was, was big for us as well. And that was a guy that kind of picked up midway. So um, just trying to see how that maybe, you know, came into play when piecing the roster together. Um, with the um, experience level, um, as well as just kind of with where our team was seated, um, you know, last year, you know, for me, that's kind of the biggest challenge. And I was just going to say, I forgot that you guys were actually in that large team, uh, that one of the three mm-hmm. teams that got voted in. What was that day or, or week like, you know, trying to wait to find <laughs> out if you made it in or not? No, it, it was, I, you know, I sent out a couple of tweets, I mean, just talking about the suspense because it, it was pretty suspenseful. You know, I put a lot of work into getting these guys together, getting them to kind of buy in. You know, some guys, you know, even coming from other teams to join our team, um, you know, and, and really I just want to make sure we could come through and, for one, qualify. And there was a lot of really good teams coming out of Midwest in particular, um, you know, with good players on it. You know, some in which I was hopeful to try to get on our team, but, you know, again, decided to maybe go on the other team that didn't get in. So it's like, you know, I felt very fortunate that we did get selected. And when I actually got that, that, that phone call, I had that conversation. I think I reached out to Dan Farrell. Um, and, you know, he, he let me know that we were good and, you know, it was a blessing. And actually, you know, I seen the snaps as I followed the TBT Snapchat and, and it was definitely, uh, yeah, suspenseful, uh, but it was, it was pretty exciting as well. Yeah. I can't imagine having to uh, wait and sweat it out like that, but it ended up working out, uh, for you guys. Just a, a couple of, uh, of other quick things. Uh, one, uh, it, you know, Midwest Green Squad moving forward. Are there hopes of a 2017 run? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, you know, definitely gonna you know rebuild the roster. Um, you know, hopeful to bring back you know a lot of the same faces, maybe even some old faces. So I'm pretty excited about it. Good, good to hear. And uh, just something I've been asking everyone. Two quick questions I've been asking every GM. Uh, is there any team watching TBT? I know you're a fan of TBT. You know, oppose. You know, you. You obviously want to win for you guys, but I know you're a fan of the tournament, you know, outside of it. Is there any t- individual team who uh, you enjoyed kind of watching this year, whether it be an alumni team or, um, you know, we had Pedro's Posse with Bibby and Jason Williams. Is there any team you just enjoyed watching? Uh, you know, I, I, they, I actually seen Pedro's Posse and, you know, I kind of, um, you know, I the, the relationship not even wasn't a strong relationship with them in particular, but Dwayne Evans, who played on our team, was you know playing for that team, and you know to actually see them and see Jason Williams, see some of those guys, Mike Bibby, you know it was pretty cool, you know. But again, I, I've seen and played against you know NBA players before, but I tell you, uh, you know, really a team I like watching you know play overseas elite. Um, you know, honestly, they're they're a pretty legit you know team. Um, obviously, it seems like they um, got a lot of good players. Uh, DJ Kennedy is really really good. That actually leads me to my last question for you that we've been asking every GM is uh, I've been asking him overseas elite now is uh, undefeated in two years in TBT just as a coach uh, how how do you beat a team like that if you were matched up against them what kind of uh, what's the kind of overall general game plan to beat a team who has such good guard depth they're big down low uh, and they've never lost playing together. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, given that we have the right matchups to match up with some of those guys, it seems like, you know, again, DJ Kennedy, he knows a, a bigger guard type. You know, he, he's got pretty good handles, but, you know, again, they kind of use him in that, that, that the utility kind of role, utility player. He's a good defender. Um, so again, I, I think honing in on him, but they have really good guard play with, you know, McCollum, 
um, some of their other guards. So, again, just kind of manning up, um, you know, again, playing really good help defense and, again, maybe a little luck, you know, will help out as well. Absolutely. And, uh, Dijon, we appreciate you coming on with us today. It was uh, really great to catch up, and uh, we hope to see you back here in 2017. Definitely, definitely. My pleasure. All right, great interviews with Dijon and with Austin Dufall before that. Guys, let's uh, let's chat a little bit about what's going on with TBT guys around the world. Uh, I know you guys have done some research over the last week or so. What have you got for us? Yeah, I've I, uh, been looking over in Europe. A lot of uh, notable guys and a couple new names this week. Scott Bamforth, who has gotten a lot of attention playing in Spain uh, for Bilbao Basket, led them to a 4-2 and two, uh, mark over the month of October, and he took Liga MVP honors for the month. He's averaging 17 points and four assists. He's from New Mexico, RH, uh, playing very well over in Spain. Kyle Hines, another guy. He came into, Dan, I know we talked about this leading up to TBT. He came into TBT with maybe the most impressive resume of any player uh, in all of TBT. He had a uh, his first double-double of the season over in Moscow. He had 11 points and 12 rebounds and a 104-103 win the other day. And uh, He's a guy who's won championships all over the world, pretty much. Uh, and now landing up in Moscow. A couple of other guys, Durant Scott from Team BDB. He's playing very well over in Italy. One of the most consistent, you know, day in and day out guys. He's six foot five swingman. He had 19 points in 10 rebounds and a win on Sunday evening. And uh, he's from the University of Miami, averaging 18.2 points and seven rebounds a game. And he's actually teammates with Phil Goss from City of Gods, a TBT mainstay who uh, has obviously made the run to the semifinals with that City of Gods team the last uh, couple of years. Uh, two more guys I have on the docket. Khalif Wyatt from the North Broad Street Bullies, the Temple alumni team. He's playing over in Israel for uh, Happel Halone. They're 3-1 and one right now. He had a season-high 23 points and a blowout win over Maccabi Ashdod on Halloween, American Halloween, uh, and the Temple alumni. Is there, is, that, is there an Israeli Halloween? It is. Purim is the Israeli Halloween um, where they dress up and you know candy is uh, distributed. So uh, Purim, I, I'm not, I don't remember what month that happened. So it was not, they were not celebrating the American Halloween uh, when Khalif Wyatt okay. had that game high 23. That's great. Uh, yeah, and he's averaging 17.8 uh, points, five rebounds, and 4.3 assists on the year. And lastly, a guy who we talked about. A couple of weeks ago with A.J. Mahar, Isaiah Swan, from, uh, again, from Ar- Armored Athlete, he had a game-high 27, including uh, shooting 5 of 10 from three-point land in an 90-84 to 84 loss. Um, I, unfortunate for him, they ended up dropping that game, but he's averaging 13.5 points a game uh, over in Germany. So that's where the five of them are at right now. Uh, five guys, TBT guys, are making an impact over in Europe. That's really impressive, especially when you look at what uh, Kyle Hines has done in EuroLeague. Uh, the guy is just absolutely incredible. He's sort of like a Charles Barkley of Europe. You know, kind of an undersized power forward, but from everything you read about him, number one defensive guy in all of Europe. In fact, he won EuroLeague Defensive Player of the Year last year. And um, for Bamforth, uh, Josh, for him to be doing what he's doing in Spain is incredible. Uh, especially with how many great great and amazing guards there are in the ACB. And most people consider that to be the second-best league in the world, too. Absolutely. And um, 
I, I thought uh, Khalif Wyatt, too. If yeah. you look at his stats, he's, you know, 15, 17 points a game uh, over in Israel. He's not, uh, you know, on the top scoring list. Again, like we mentioned last week, Tyshawn Taylor actually from Team Foe is the top scorer over in Israel. Um, so he, he's not atop that list, but it's kind of a day in and day out. He's getting the job done for that team as well. Absolutely. Maury, what have you got? It was fun uh, looking at looking at different parts of South America and Asia. We're going to start in Asia, in China. I don't think there's anybody else in the entire tournament who's better to start off with an update other than Eric McCollum, the two-time defending TBT champ with Overseas Elite. He's playing for North Control of Beijing. He's averaging over 34 points a game. He's averaging seven rebounds a game, four and a half assists, three and a half steals. He even has a game uh, where he dropped 44 this year, Dan, so definitely lighting it up the brother of, of an NBA star. But the most important statistic that I like about Eric and about his game is he only has four turnovers in 74 minutes played. This is a true floor general. Not only can he score the rock, he can pass the rock, he can rebound, but he also takes care of the ball. Eric McCollum playing for North Control Beijing in China. Uh, another update from China as well in that same league is a big-time scoring guard from A Few Good Men, which was Jeremy Pargo. A Few Good Men was is an is an a Gonzaga alumni team, excuse me there. Um, but he's playing in China this year for the first time. He's playing with the Shenzhen Leopards in the CBA. He's got his team out to a great 2-0 start. He's averaging close to a triple-double, 25 points, 8 rebounds, 7.5 assists. He was one rebound and one assist shy of having a triple-double in his season opener. So he's definitely picking up where he left off You know, from us this summer in TBT where he averaged 25 points and 7 assists. Also very good to see his assist numbers up. That means you know his team is in good hands. Transition over to Japan, uh, Devontae Gardner, uh, another member of um, a, a member of the Golden Eagles alumni team, is a six-nine power forward. He's playing for Niigata Albrie, uh, a team in Japan. He's the second-leading scorer in that league at just under twenty points. Uh, he's helped his team win five straight games. They've catapulted from the basement of their conference all the way up to third place. They're only two games out of first from 2-5 and five to 7-5. and five. He's averaged a double-double in those last five games, including a 30-20 and 20 game. 30 points, 20 rebounds for the big man from Golden Eagles alumni. His teammate, Dwight Bikes, is also in Japan, averaging an astounding 26 points a game. A lot of big-time scores we're seeing um, from that Marquette alumni team. Dwight Bikes is a point guard. He's playing for Fusion Kwanzhou, I guess I'm going to pronounce it, Fujian Kwanzhou Bank yeah, uh, in, in Japan. Um, and, 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 and an update from Justin Burrell, a guy who you interviewed a couple segments ago, uh, playing in Nagoya. He's led them off to a 9-3 and three start. They're in first place in the Western Division. Two out of the last three games, he's had a double-double. He's 10th in the league in scoring 17.2 points over eight rebounds a contest. And uh, transitioning over to uh, South America, I have one update uh, Brandon Robinson, a six-six swingman from Train to Go, you gotta love the mid majors and the Cinderellas. Give him some love. Train to Go made a surprise run to the Super Sixteen, and he's playing for a Sorno Basketball, who's seven and five. They're in third place in the National League down in Chile. He's sixth in the league in scoring, twenty-three and a half points a game, and almost six rebounds a game. And Brandon Robinson, a kid who can light it up from anywhere, he had five threes. Uh, in that Super 16 loss to Overseas Elite. So, you know, great basketball by all these guys, and looking forward to next week's update. Great updates, guys. Uh, Devontae Gardner's a fan favorite, not just of people in TBT, but those Marquette fans love that guy. 
Dan, Brandon Robinson, too. I, yeah. It was interesting to hear his name. I, I, I know you weren't at that region. I was at the South region, and um, the game where they beat Memphis, he was on. He, I mean, the kid can shoot from anywhere. I thought he was one of the more underrated players in all at TBT, so good to see him doing yeah, well totally over Totally agree. In fact, if you speak Definitely to agree. almost anybody associated with that has played against uh, Train to Go, they'll all say Robinson is the key guy for them. And I think before that game to TV, uh, when uh, Train to Go played, I think it was Overseas Elite, um, uh, they were asked, uh, you know, who's the key to your, your game? And they all said Robinson. So I, that guy's a stud. I mean, they, all these guys are great. It's incredible, you know, how far they go to, to play and how well they play when they all get there. So really great updates. Uh, guys, this week we had the retirement of one of the all-time greats in the NBA was Ray Allen, which kind of piqued our interest. And, you know, we put out some questions over social on Twitter, which is at the tournament, on Facebook, which is facebook.com backslash the tournament. And on Instagram, which is the dot the tournament, the dot tournament. Sorry, but anyways, we asked the question of the four major guys that have just retired. Who would you want to start your team with? And uh, so the big four that just retired were Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, Ray Allen, and Kevin Garnett. Um, overwhelmingly, it seemed like people would start the team with Kobe Bryant, which I found to be kind of surprising. What do you guys think of that? So Dan, I actually I put together a starting five, uh, Let's and hear it. I. I you know, only one of the guys are the ones you mentioned. Um, so I, some of them are a little bit unique, but I, I have my reasoning behind them. So I'll list them off and then I'll get, I'll tell you why. So I went for my two guards. I went Chauncey Billups and Michael Red, the former Milwaukee Buck. Okay. Uh, at Ford, I went, I went Kevin Garnett and I went Steven Jackson. And at center, I went Rashid Wallace. So those are my five that I'm rolling with. And uh, Dan, you know, we, we talk about all the time, and I know we've uh, personally talked about it, and uh, something that we kind of portray a lot is the, the grittiness you need of a team. Um, so I picked, uh, you know, in my mind of players who retired over the last four years, I picked literally the grittiest team I could come up with. Chauncey <laughs> Billings, Michael Red, KG would be great to watch him play. Uh, and then Steven Jackson, Rasheed Wallace, my guys, you know, we, we might pick up, you know, 20 technical, uh, technical fouls, but uh, they're not going to give up. They're going to play for... Uh, you know, 36 minutes as we play in TBT. So that's who I went with. This is great. And I think as you think about this too, you want to remind yourself that they're not playing 100 games anymore. You know, so it's not like Kevin Garnett suddenly stinks at playing basketball. The man can clearly get it done. You give him one game and one game only, what's he going to do? He's going to be great. So that's kind of what, what started this. more did you do a starting lineup too? Uh, I did not because I thought we were forming one player. Okay, uh, but well, who I, do you got? I have a starting five that I just kind of came up with right on the spot. Yeah. Uh, so I have my, my two guards. I have Jason Kidd, you know, what, what I put as the Russell Westbrook before Russell Westbrook, maybe minus the athleticism, but just, a, you know, a consistent triple-double um, option every single night. Great point guard, great floor general, passes the rock really nicely. Uh, and, and I would also like Ray Allen in his backcourt as well. Ray Allen, you know, a guy who can knock down the threes, uh, just a great player all around. He's not going to turn the ball over. He's going to hit big-time free throws. Uh, so those are that's my starting backcourt, Jason Kidd and Ray Allen. In my front court, I like Elton Brand. You know, I saw that uh, response on Twitter when I yep. put out a poll similar to similar to you guys. Elton Brand, you know, a Dukey. Hopefully, we can get a Duke team in TBT 2017. Uh, Elton Brand, alongside of Tim Duncan, lo- love Tim Duncan. There's probably no other no other power forward who I would want on my team other than Tim Duncan. Guy just does it night in and night out. Does it so quietly. I love quiet leaders. Um, and then in a surprising move, um, I would go with uh, like Hidu Turkoglu, 
just another guy who quiet passes the rock really well. I like I like guys that could play for the Spurs. Hidu uh, Turkoglu definitely has experience. He played on the Spurs in, in 03 and 04, um, you know, with Duncan, with Ginobili, with Parker. So I would go with Brand, Duncan, and Turkoglu uh, in a nice long three uh, up front, and I would have Kidd and Allen in the back. That's great. All right, I'm going to do this. Tim Duncan, I think, for me, I build a team around. I'm going to skip Kobe because I'm a Boston fan, and I think the ball is going to stop with him. I'm going to go with Kenyon Martin, who I think would be really tough, Josh, along the lines of what you're saying. Uh, Richard Hamilton, who I think can shoot. Shane Battier, who I use for defense and versatility. And then Ray Allen, just because I think that Ray's, I think Ray's great. And I think he'd be in, yeah. tremendous in this type of format. But there were so many point. guys, guys, that I was, I was coming through a list of this, and this is just a few of them. These are guys that have retired recently that I think could still get it done in a one-and-done format. Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, Armare Stoudemire, who's actually playing professionally in, in um, Israel right now with a team that he owns called uh, Hopewell Jew- Jerusalem, if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, Sean Marion, who was at TBT 2015, expressed interest in playing, and we'll see if he, if he jumps on in, in the pool this year. Uh, Elton Brand. Andre Kirilenko. How about that one? Kenyon, Great name. Kenyon Martin, Jason Richardson, Hidu Turkoglu, which I think you said, Maury, uh, Rip Hamilton. Uh, I threw in Carl Malone and John Stockton just because I think it would be fun to see those guys play again. <laughs> and I'm sure that they could still do the pick and roll just as well as they did when they played. Uh, Juwan Howard, Allen Iverson, who is like always on the cusp of playing in TBT seemingly. Uh, Michael Jordan, and I think it was like a year ago, maybe two years ago, where he was beaten up on rookies uh, on one-on-one and they had to make him stop doing it for Charlotte. Uh, Steve Nash, Shaquille O'Neal, mm-hmm. just because he's a huge body, and I bet she could still play. Uh, Mo Williams, Ronnie Turiaf, who just retired. Uh, Steven Jackson, and then Shane Battier, who I said. Any names there that I'm missing, guys, like bigger ones from the last couple of years? Uh, I mean, Chauncey Billups is a pretty big name. That's true. Uh, and and uh, I think, I you know, my center on the team, Rashid, I, I think, uh, you know, if you talk about guys who could jump in, I, it wouldn't surprise me to see him uh, hop on a team. Well, he was rumored last year, you know, so right. you never know. If he's rumored in 2016, he might be rumored in 2017, too. Guys, great updates from around the world this week. Remember to subscribe to TBT's podcast on iTunes. Leave us a rating and review, and it'll help spread the word. Guys, any closing thoughts or, or words you want to say before we head out? Um. Everyone enjoy the weekend. Enjoy election night, and uh, we'll be—we, you know, no matter what changes, we'll be with you every week with the TBT podcast. So you can count on that. That's great. All right, yeah. guys. So go ahead, Maury. Yeah, no, just really looking forward to you know continuing the podcast. I really feel like we're getting in a roll now. We're going to be able to add some you know really interesting elements, and we have some special guests lined up. So we're just excited. You know, every day, every day, every podcast we do is just one step closer to TBT 2017. That's exactly right. All right, thanks a lot. Have a great week. 